I'm Libby Collins. A very good Sunday morning to you. We're going to start as Wyatt said with some sunshine and then hold on to your hat, literally, because it's going to get windy later on tonight. Well, today is Sunday, February 26th of 2023. And let's take a look at what we're celebrating today. Oh, Isaac, you're going to love it. It's National Pistachio Day. Pistachios are my favorite, Libby. I, I love them. You know, if you can find them without the shells, because I always break a nail whenever I'm trying to pry those That's things That's all open. the fun. <laughs> it's also National Letter to an Elder Day. So I guess if you know somebody in your family or friends or neighbors that are a little bit older, it'd be nice to sit down and, and write them a short note or even just send them an email. Well, history on February 26th, if we go all the way back to 1815, uh, Napoleon Bonaparte escaped from the island of Elba, and contrary to popular belief, Napoleon never did say, Abel, was I, error, I saw Elba. You know what that is, Isaac? I have no idea. It's a palindrome, which means, if you say it backwards, it's the same thing, Abel, was I, air, I saw Elba. Never mind, you can work on that later today. All right, uh, what else happened in history? In uh, 1863, President Lincoln signed the National Currency Act that established a system of nationally chartered banks and also a uniform national currency. 1907, Congress raised their own pay to $7,500 a year. Now they make 174000 plus perks. Is there anybody in Congress that isn't a millionaire? Uh, in 1919, in Arizona, the Grand Canyon was established as a national park. Speaking of national parks, in 1929, on this day, President Coolidge signed a bill creating the Grand Teton National Park. It was on this day in 1930 that New York City installed traffic lights, but it didn't matter. Nobody pays attention to them anyway. In 1933, a groundbreaking ceremony was held for the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. Also on this day in 1945, imagine this happening today. Nationwide, a midnight curfew went into effect. In a lot of neighborhoods, midnight is when the party just gets underway. In 1993, six people were killed and more than a 1,000 injured when a van exploded in the parking garage beneath the World Trade Center. And this act was later linked to Osama bin Laden, who carried it out in 2001. In 1998, a Texas jury rejected an $11 million lawsuit by Texas cattlemen who blamed Oprah Winfrey for a price drop after she made on-air comments about mad cow disease. Now, I'll tell you something. If that had happened in Montana, and if John Dutton had, had been the one filing the case, trust me, he would have won that one. All right, birthdays. <laughs> you have to watch Yellowstone to get that. Okay, uh, February 26th, who was born? Well, Herbert Henry Dow, the founder of Dow Chemical, was born on this day in 1866. Also, Levi Strauss, uh, he founded the company to manufacture blue jeans. He was born on this day in 1829. William Buffalo Bill Cody was also born on this day. Musician Fats Domino was born on February 26th of 1928. And in 1932, this guy was born. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. I hear the train are coming, it's rolling around a bend. And I don't care how old that song is, it never sounds old to me. Love Johnny Cash. All right, we'll take a look at some of the, the greats on uh, TV. If you remember, I Love Lucy. William Frawley, he was born on this day. Jackie Gleason was born on this day in 1916. And Tony Randall, remember him from The Odd Couple? I love that guy. He was born on this day in 1920. And also singer Michael Bolton is celebrating a birthday today. of people love Michael Bolton, but there's just something about him that bugs me. Uh, let's see. Wrestling promoter Vern Gagne was born on this day in 1926. Wrestler Rick Reed Flair, who was Ric Flair's son, passed away from a drug overdose. He also was born on this day. And from Ally McBeal, Greg German was born, and singer Erica Badu, and he is 78 years old today, but it's hard to believe Mitch Ryder was born on this day in 1945. Jump up! Get it! Hey! Devil with a blue dress, blue dress, blue dress, devil with a blue dress on! 
wonder if he's still jumping up at 78 years old. All right, well, we've got a busy show ahead. We're going to be examining hand-washing habits for everybody living in Wisconsin. Matt Miller's here. He's going to tell us everything you want to know about that cocaine bear. Got a story about, is it a dog or is it a coyote? How can you tell? Mark Cass is going to be here. He's going to look back at that garage collapse at Bayshore and uh, the impact it's going to have on the wall. WTMJ's Jason Smith is going to be talking about local fish fries. We'll look back at the Week in Review. Isaac's here pushing those buttons. Wyatt's in the newsroom. And in just two minutes, it's Dominic Catronio and sports right here on WTMJ. 27 degrees at 813. For only the second time since joining the Big East, the Marquette Golden Eagles are atop the regular season. And it's at zeros. It's finally, finally over. over. And say it now. From pick ninth in the preseason poll, there are only 11 teams. Marquette has won the Big East regular season championships. Steve Homer True on the call on 94.5 ESPN Milwaukee. Marquette finishes with 15 wins in league play for the first time in school history as number 10 MU defeats DePaul 90-84. Here's head coach Shaka Smart. You know, I think this is the most Big East games that, that Marquette's ever won. Yep. And we've got two games left. So, you know, I think, first of all, I'm, I'm really thankful and grateful for all of our players and the guys that you know make our team what it is and then everyone that supports our program what a awesome atmosphere in the building again tonight record crowd and and i'm just i'm thankful for the fact that we all you know can share in any success we're able to have uh, but we're not you know we're not done yet and just down the road at uwm panther arena the panthers hosting senior night against cleveland state a win clinches no worse than second in the horizon league and their leading scorer all year took it into his own hands bj freeman under 13 to go panthers by four freeman all the way to the block left side splits a double off balance flip shot is good oh mercy what a basket by B.J. Freeman. Scott Warris on the call on 101.7 The Truth. The Panthers win 81-72 and claim second place in the regular season race in the Horizon League. And the sweet sounds of baseball are back on your radio. Swinging in a fly ball to center. Deep. Get up. Get up. Get out of here and gone for Garrett Mitchell. He just hit another one and hit it to dead center. The one and only Bob Euchre on the call here on WTMJ. The Brewers slug three homers in the Cactus League opener, two of them by rookie Garrett Mitchell. They defeat the Dodgers 7-4. to I'm Dominic Catronio, WTMJ Sports. You know, summer is just around the corner when you hear Bob Euchre on the air, don't you? All right, well, we've got your forecast coming up in just a couple minutes and expect some changes. I'll tell you this, though, right now it's 27 degrees at 817 on WTMJ. Well, you're waking up to sunshine this morning, and all in all, today's not going to be too bad. We're going to have some light winds, but there will be sunshine, and we're going to get up to, oh, about 40 degrees in some other areas, maybe only into the mid-30s, but then literally hold on to your hats, because that wind is going to pick up tonight. Those clouds are going to come in. Uh, it's going to start to be rainy and windy. We may get gusts as high as 40 miles per hour and a low of 31 overnight. Then tomorrow, the rain continues. It will be windy. We'll get up to about 46, but wind gusts up to 45 on Tuesday. Sun comes back, but it's still going to be pretty windy with wind gusts only 30 miles per hour and a high of 45. Wednesday, we've got another chance for a wintry mix. It'll be breezy with a high of 44. And Thursday, mostly cloudy and a high of 38. Currently in Mequon, it's 24 degrees. Racine's at 28. Oconomowoc is 24. It's 27 degrees at WTMJ at 821. And it's time to check in with Mark Cass. He's the editor-in-chief of the Milwaukee Business Journal. Mark, I think a lot of people are still reeling over what happened Thursday with that parking garage collapse at Bayshore. Right. Well, right now, I mean, it doesn't appear that anyone was hurt, thankfully, but there right. was some property yep. damage. But how do you think this incident is going to impact the mall over the next several months? Really a horrible story, very surprising to see, very lucky. I mean, I think the mayor said it when he said they dodged a bullet here. But, I mean, the ramp can be closed for a month or more, they're talking about. I mean, anybody who has a car on the ramp, he's not going to see it for a month which is crazy when you hear it. So there's going to be an issue over there with 
parking. Anytime you have an incident like this, there'll be some cautiousness. I think long term, the mall will be fine. It's kind of in the midst of its redevelopment, as we've been hearing pretty good things about it. But in an incident like this, it's just bound to have a little bit of ripple effect in terms of where you're going to park, what's going to go on, things like that. So I think, you know, a horrible incident, but it could have been a lot worse. Do you think this is going to be a wake-up call to other places where they have multi-level garages around the city and the area surrounding Milwaukee that they're going to go in with engineers and check to make sure everything is safe? I think you will. I think you saw it in Florida. Remember when they had the horrible incident down there with the condo? I think you saw that just throughout the country. Everybody's saying, okay, we need to check structurally. We need to make sure everything's in place here. Here you had a case where it seems like at least the snow caused the issue. We had very wet and heavy snow. But then again, I'd make the point it's Wisconsin. You know, I mean, that happens every once in a while where we get wet and snow. So there's obviously more at work here. I'm sure the engineers and the inspectors are going to look at this one. I think you'll see inspectors looking at other structures in the area just to make sure. I'm sure they're out there this morning, probably over the weekend and in early next week because of that, whatever, you know, making sure everything is safe because you can't have incidents like this happen. It's just we got very lucky here not to have anybody injured or killed. Do you think that the mayor and the city council might take some action and demand that buildings with these kinds of garages should and must do an inspection? I think you'll see some action somewhere. I think that incidents like this usually lead to that, which is good, but we'll see. I know they had inspections in place. There were things going on there. We're trying to look into some of that to see when the last time it was inspected, what's all going on. It's not that old when it's like an old five and oh six. I mean, under 20 years old, you think this would not be an issue. But then again, I mean, I remember last time this happened was a number of years ago down at O'Donnell Park where unfortunately it happened. And unfortunately, a young man was killed. So incidents like this can be tragic. All right. Well, let's turn to something that happened in Tosa this week. And that was the decision by developer Johnny Vasala to drop those plans for that $50 million luxury apartment at Mayfair and Blue Mound Roads. And what's he going to do? He's building a car wash. What? 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 What would happen next? You're going to have a luxury apartment building and a car wash because they're pretty much the same, right? No. This is a very interesting story to me. You and I have talked about it so many times over the last three years that he's tried to do this one. He came out first with a high rise. I believe it was 23 stories, almost 300 units. Went down, actually went higher. I think it was 26 stories with 67 units and got all the approvals from the city. He's ready to go. And then he's had opposition along, but the neighbors took him to court. It's in court now. Three years later, he spent a million dollars already on the project and has nothing. And inflation is hit. And the cost of this project was in 2020. Now it's going to be a lot more in 2023. So he feels that this is kind of the way to go. It's quicker. It's easier. Less money. Just an interesting case where obviously the neighbors won. But long term, I'm not sure if that's what anybody wants because it is a heavily traveled corner. Is there a middle ground? I don't know. And I would think so from an economic impact, from a taxpayer's impact. You would think something really could have been reached here. I was interested in your story where it said that he's already purchased 18 homes in that area, and he's going to continue to rent them out until bringing back the proposal in another 10 years. That's the next time he can come back with this high-rise idea? Yeah, I'm not sure if it'll be a high-rise idea. I think he's going to look for other ideas. Remember, he owns other things in the area. Mo is obviously right across the street there. So you may see some sort of retail use. You may hold on to it as residential. It seems like that's a very hard corner to have things happen. I mean, I found over the years that anything that happens in Wauwatosa is never easy, right? There's a lot of input. There's a lot of controversy. It's just the way it is in Wauwatosa, and you have to accept that. The problem, I think, long-term for Wauwatosa, and I've heard this over and over again from anybody in the real estate industry, is people who try these kind of efforts end up in communities where they're welcome, where it's an easy process. So they go to Glendale. They go to Oak Creek. They go other places where it's easier. I think long-term, this could have an impact on Wauwatosa. Right now, Wauwatosa is great. You have a lot of things happening out there, a lot of housing projects, a lot of development. But long-term, you have to watch that because as you want things actually redeveloped, you have to work with developers. Well, here's an exciting story about the Milwaukee Bucks. They've submitted a bid to host either the 2025 or 26 NBA All-Star Game. What do you think their odds are and what would this do for the city? This would be huge. I mean, and odds are actually pretty good. For those of us who remember, it's not that long ago, 2018, when the arena opened and NBA Commissioner Adam Silver was here, he basically said, I'd like to have an All-Star Game in Milwaukee. He didn't say when, but he said he wanted one here. So I know some of the members of the Bucks, including their head of the team, has been saying that to him over and over again. Let's have it here. I mean, economic impact wise this is great think about this again this is international spotlight on our city 180 million dollar economic impact lots of nba players would come here lots of fans would come here lots of stars would come here and it's kind of interesting in that it would go with what exactly happened in cleveland cleveland in 2016 hosted the rnc in 2022 they hosted the nba all-star game 
That's what people are hoping happens here. 2024, we host the RNC. 2025 or 26, we host the All-Star Game. And it's also something I've said to you all along is the RNC is great for the city, but you have to look long-term. What will the RNC mean for us long-term? Will other events and other conventions come here as well? That? And this could happen. I mean, I feel real strongly it could happen. Well, we're talking about sports. Let's talk about that. American Family Field, $290 million budget proposal with the state. They're starting conversations this week. What's been the reaction right now? I don't know. Everywhere I go, everyone's offering me their opinion, whether it's on Twitter, at a restaurant, playing pickleball. Everybody's got an opinion on this issue. And it's fascinating because it's kind of split half and half. There's a lot of support for it. On the other hand, there's a lot of people out there who are saying, why are we helping a rich owner who pays his players lots and lots of money? Why are we helping? with that. So there's a split out there. I think over the next few months, you'll see this thing kind of wind. There'll be some ups and downs. I think in the long run, it's going to get approved. I don't think it'll look exactly like this. I think it'll change and there may be something else that comes forward. I think you have to look at the economic impact of the brewers, what they mean to the city, how important it is to have them here from an economic standpoint, from a reputation standpoint. And I think the other thing that's got to play out Things have to happen in Madison, and you have our legislature controlled to the Republicans, and you have Evers opposite each other. They have to work together on this one. Will they come to an agreement? I don't think it's going to be easy. I don't think we're all going to like watching it happen, but in the end, I think it's going to get done. Hey, Mark, always (laughs) great to talk with you. (laughs) All right, Libby. It's good talking to you. You have a great week. It's 27 degrees at 828 on WTFJ. And welcome back. To Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. I'm Libby Collins. A little bit later on this half hour, we're going to hear from Matt Miller, and he's got some thoughts about a cocaine bear. Can't wait to hear that. Right now, though, at 835, a former president entered hospice care. A winter mess led to a power outage and a partial parking garage crumble. There's so much more, too. It's a Weekend Review brought to you by Outdoor Living Unlimited. What we do here is go back, 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 back. The Milwaukee County Transit System announcing that masks will no longer be required to ride the bus. Howdy. We say howdy in Georgia also. Word that former President Jimmy Carter is with his family at home in Plains, Georgia, receiving end-of-life hospice care. President Biden on the ground in Ukraine this morning, making a surprise trip ahead of the one-year anniversary of the war. Kiev has captured a part of my heart, I must say. Putin's war of conquest is failing. Need on the punchy I see. Mardi Gras, Fat Tuesday, or known as well in these parts as Punchki Day. Jason, I told you, man, don't let them bully you into the prune. You don't have to do it. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, they're bullying them. <laughs> Anticlimactic. Put it in your mouth and just eat it. God, I hate it. I don't care whether you hate it. You say Michael. you do it. We like sports and we don't care who knows. Giannis will dunk it down and that's how the 72nd NBA All-Star Game begins. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. That was worth the wait. This is Rogers Watch 2023 on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. When it comes to me, they don't know Jason Wilde, our good friend and teammate, had a bit of an interesting rant yesterday about Aaron Rodgers. If I was Goody, I would say, are you effing kidding me, man? The shot three-quarter court is no good, and Marquette wins! Marquette wins! And Greg McDermott <laughs> was not happy at Shaka Smart. He was going crazy <laughs> before was. they shook hands. At the baseline, throws it into the front court. It's caught by Godfrey. He puts one up at the buzzer. He missed it off the front iron, and the Panthers have survived. It will be Janet Protasevich versus Dan Kelly in the April election to fill the decisive seat on the court. I'm counting on all of you, each and every one of you, to continue the momentum because there's too much at stake. That's the fight. It really is to maintain the constitutional order in the state of Wisconsin to make sure that we live under the rule of law and not the rule of Janet. Currently under WTMJ Fleet Farm Storm Team Alert with this later winter storm locking in over southeast Wisconsin. Still snow, sleet and freezing rain all moving into the area again. This storm is a messier storm and the fact that we're not seeing just snow or rain, we are seeing those in-between types of precipitation. Dev Eric Bilstead just texted me and said he's out on the highway and it's like driving on mashed potatoes. It's like out there with <laughs> we are following breaking news. It's 
turn to Eric Bilstead. Sandy, we're following a situation at Bayshore Mall in Glendale. We're getting reports of a partial collapse at a parking structure there. Several vehicles crushed, unknown right now if, if any of the vehicles were occupied. We are getting live pictures into our newsroom, and it's a pretty incredible North Shore Fire Rescue and supporting agencies are now at the mall. The third floor is in the first floor right now. Right now I'm saying it's fire trucks everywhere, police everywhere. Firemen are currently inside the garage. We can see them shoveling debris. Luckily, we at this point have no injuries. The heavy urban rescue team and the structure collapse unit is working with the property owner's engineering firm to make sure that it is indeed not in danger of any further collapse. I just parked there at 8 a.m. this morning. Just wanted to avoid the snow, and it collapsed. So I got more snow than I bargained for. What a week, huh? What a week, eh? What a week. Shut it down! Let's go home! And it is a miracle that no one was hurt in that garage collapse. Uh, the Weekend Review is sponsored by Outdoor Living Unlimited. I'm Libby Collins on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. 27 degrees at 839. We're going to have your forecast and also a warning to you about well, maybe your your Geek Squad things. It's, it's all ahead right here on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. Well, it's going to be a pretty nice Sunday with a high of 40 degrees. And tonight those clouds come in. It's going to be rainy and windy down to 30. And I'll tell you, then that wind gust starts 40 miles per hour. Might be our high tomorrow. Rainy, windy, high of 46 and gusts up to 45 miles per hour. Then on Tuesday, windy again, but dropping down to about 30 miles per hour with a high of 45. Our next chance of a wintry mix is on Wednesday. Right now, Delafield is showing 26 degrees. Wauwatosa is 28 Boygan, you're at 23. We have 28 degrees at WTMJ at 842. I'm a little bit challenged as far as technology is concerned, so I reach out to places like Geek Squad frequently, and uh, you got to watch out for that too these days. Joining us is Michelle Reinen from DATCAP, and you're hearing from a lot of people who are being victims of a fraud scheme claiming to be Geek Squad. Yeah, unfortunately we are because we want consumers to have reliable resources to help them with tech scams and other issues that might be happening with their computers so they can be protected from them. But now the scammers are impersonating the Geek Squad. So we've noticed a recent uptick in business imposter scams related to the Geek Squad, and we've heard this from consumers. What's happening is several consumers have received fake invoices from, quote, Best Buy's Geek Squad for computer maintenance or repair services. What's happening is scammers hope that these consumers will make these payments and they will become unsuspecting victims because they will have reached out to this fake Geek Squad to resolve the error. And then that gives them an opportunity to steal the consumer's private information because now they've engaged with the scammer Geek Squad and giving them access to their computer. Unbelievable. There's also another fraud that you're warning people about with somebody claiming to be from Summit Credit Union. Yeah, so this can apply to any credit union as well. So just keep that in mind with this one. It's just a specific example. What's happened is consumers have received unsolicited calls, text messages, and emails claiming to be from Summit Credit Union. And really, the scammers just phishing for account information. They are seeking that information like usernames, passwords, card numbers, and that personal identification number or PIN. It's currently unknown whether these scams are specifically targeting Summit Credit Union or the Best Buy Geek Squad, but customers specifically should be aware of the possible similarities and that this is a scam. And what they need to do is not share personal information. And remember that a legitimate business is never going to turn around and ask for your password when they are reaching out to you. They may need information from you when you call them using a reliable resource and dedicated phone number that you have handy. But when they contact you, they shouldn't be asking for that personal information. And so practice caution when you receive communications that are unsolicited and, and certainly hang up the phone 
and disconnect if they're asking for that personal information. And I think it's important, Michelle, that we let everybody know. I mean, Summit Credit Union, Best Buy Geek Squad, they are quite legitimate. They're good businesses, but these are fraudsters who are pretending to represent them. Absolutely. That is a great point. And often, as an example in these cases, they've posted information to help get the word out to consumers that there is this scam circulating and you should not be responding to it. They are not seeking information from you. Um, But again, if you ever question a contact that you're receiving, hang up the phone Go to the phone book, look in your cell phone for the number you normally contact the business at and reach out to them using information you know and trust versus a phone number that Dammer has left for you to reach them at. And before you do anything, if you think you need help with any kind of consumer problem, let's give that consumer protection hotline. 1-800-422-7128. Or again, go to the website at datcp.wi.gov. You're just one minute away from Dominic Catroni on Sports right here on WTMJ. It's 846. Number 10, Marquette at home against DePaul, and albeit a little more stressful than they expected, they used fireworks to claim the Big East regular season title. Kolick behind the back dribble, back to Camp Jones. Logo three, good! Just, just for everybody, wow. the MU Logo 3. Steve Homer true on the call. MU wins 90-84. to It's only their second regular season title since joining the Big East. The result on the heels of being picked ninth in the preseason poll. Another team that was picked to finish ninth in their conference, the Milwaukee Panthers, and they finish in second place thanks to B.J. Freeman. Right of the lane, this is Freeman. Driving, leaning, scoring, count it, and a foul. Freeman with 24. Scott Warris on the call on 101.7 The Truth. Freeman drops a career-high 31 points as UWM defeats Cleveland State 81-72. Head coach Bart Lundy. There's a lot of guys that are helping. <laughs> Six. You know, so, you know, BJ obviously is carrying a lot of water for us. Yeah. Um, you know, but it, but that that was a, definitely a team effort, and uh, everybody everybody played their role. Mm. It was awesome. Elsewhere in college basketball, one of the wackiest finishes you'll ever see in a rivalry game. So the final 2.9 seconds inbounded to Des Cambridge, launches from backcourt. Oh! He made it! He made it! Oh! He made it! He made it! Cambridge knocks down a three from backcourt, and the Sun Devils have won it! Tim Healy on the call on the Sun Devil Radio Network. ASU stuns number seven Arizona, 89 to 88. And baseball is back on your radio, and the one, the only, Bob Euchre. Rowdy Telez lines one in the right center. Deep warning track. Get up. Gone for Rowdy Telez. He's back at it. And the Brewers have the lead. Mr. Baseball on the call. Telez hits one of three home runs on the day for the Brewers. The other two by Garrett Mitchell. Milwaukee wins 7-4 over the Dodgers in the Cactus League opener. I'm Dominic Catronio, WTMJ Sports. That was a feel-good game for the preseason, wasn't it? It's 849 on WTMJ. Coming up in just a couple minutes, Matt Miller's going to join us with stories about a cocaine bear. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. 28 degrees at WTMJ. We're going to get up to about 40 degrees. Then it's going to start raining and getting windy as we get into tonight and tomorrow. Uh, 8.51. And are there any, is there any truth to the rumor, Matt Miller, film critic and pop culture editor at OnMilwaukee.com, that Eric Clapton was inspired to write that song, Cocaine, uh, by a certain bear? I don't believe that's true, though. There is a real <laughs> cocaine bear. When they say that this movie is based on a true story, they are not lying. It is technically based on a true story, extremely loosely, as you might expect. All right, All right. well, give, give us a skinny on this, because everybody's talking about the cocaine bear. What was the story this was based on? So the true story is, uh, I believe in the 70s or 80s, they found uh, a, a, a man who had died covered like a cocaine wrapped all around him, and a bear had also died. Uh, with a bunch of cocaine in its system. And 
they, they, weirdly enough, they did an autopsy on this bear, determined that the cocaine was the cause of its death, and they were like, well, we don't want to just get rid of this bear, so they decided to get it taxidermied. And somehow it ended up in Waylon Jennings' possession at a yard sale, and now the cocaine bear, the real cocaine bear, is in a mall. <laughs> or does it mall? No, never mind. Okay, so 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 tell us about <laughs> Sorry, the movie. I had, to, I had to take two seconds on that. That was a great. But um, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I was okay. <laughs> so so this has a really good cast. I mean, this is like Ray Liotta's last film. Yeah, the whole cast is really strong. You've got Margot Martindale, Carrie Russell, Matthew Reese. If there are any of the American fans out there. It's a, a startlingly strong cast for a movie that I am sad to report is not as much fun as it sounds. I, no, I think, don't say a, that. I Trust me, I would love to report that Cocaine Bear is a Best Picture nominee. I would love <laughs> to tell people that it is a great time. But I think if you, as a horror movie, it's not bad. As a bloody bear attack movie, there's some decent stuff in it. But as a comedy... It never is really as much fun or as funny as you want it to be. And I think when you hear the name Cocaine Bear, you expect something so much wackier and so much crazier. And really, this is a fairly traditional uh, animal attack movie uh, in which people just say cocaine a lot. Where does the bear get the cocaine to begin with? So uh, early on, a trafficker is ditching cocaine out of his airplane into this woods. That apparently is kind of there if something wrong is happening with the plane, ditch the cocaine into this woods and we'll go find it. Uh, But the bear finds it first and loves it and hates humans. Uh, Did he hate the humans before or after he ingested the cocaine? Well, it, it seems as though bears are fairly friendly when they are not on cocaine. Um, (laughs) Oh, sure they are. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Well, they they make a specific point to say that bears generally will not attack unless provoked. But I will say that watching this movie, I'm not sure the difference between a bear attack and a cocaine bear attack. Like, if you had told me that the bear in The Revenant was high on cocaine, I would have believed you. You know, I I feel like this movie needed to have crazier bear attacks on some level. There's a few... (laughs) Pretty great. There's one really good highlight scene that feels like the movie kind of hitting its stride. But otherwise else, it's a, it's a pretty traditional movie. And I, I think if you're expecting a wild and crazy time, I, I think the movie has too many dead spots for that. Are you disappointed? I am. And I don't like to live in a world where I was disappointed by a movie called Cocaine Bear. <laughs> and I say this. I'm not being a highfalutin, snobby critic here. I love the movie Piranha 3D. Like, I enjoy good trash. Um, And I just needed this movie to be a little crazier. Maybe they should have not called it Cocaine Bear, because it does set the bar really high for the expectations of how bonkers of a movie you're going to make. Well, of course, anything you title Cocaine Bear is going to set a very high bar, and it's it's hard to meet that. But what what could they have done differently that would have pleased uh, the palate of, of Matt Miller? I think a more energetic direction. I think Elizabeth Banks is pretty workmanlike as a director. I think, you know, Lord and Miller, who directed the Lego movie, who directed 21 Jump Street, they're producers on this movie. I would have loved to see them do this movie because they bring a lot of energy, a lot of pizzazz, a lot of different attitude to the movie. Uh, I mean, anyone who saw the Lego movie, that movie feels like a movie on drugs. That movie is just constantly throwing jokes at you, constantly moving forward. Um, that, that's the kind of energy I wanted from this movie, especially in terms of the comedy. Um, yeah, and I just wanted it to be a little bit more fun. I mean, even the, the big fun, uh, like, murder scenes, the, the mauling scenes, they end in a way where you're like, oh, well, this is actually really painful and unfortunate. And you're just... Well, if you get mauled by a bear, man, it is going to be painful. Yes, but there's a way to do a tone of that where it's oh. more silly as opposed to your feeling for the people involved. You know, I... it. it It's not a terrible movie, and I think if your bar is at a movie called Cocaine Bear, you might be satisfied. So so sort of as a recap here, I'm trying to think what you really wanted to see was Yogi Cocaine Bear. 
A little bit. I needed it. And a little bit of boo boo on the side, right? Yogi and boo boo on cocaine. Well, I don't want to spoil too much, but there are, I, I, there are plural bears in this movie. Oh, not oh. Just one bear. Oh well, no, don't 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 give away the ending because we certainly wouldn't want a spoiler. All right, well, listen, Matt, I'm I can I see where can I see this? By the way, is it only in theaters or it is only I in theaters right it? now? It is screening everywhere right now, but yes, it's only in theaters right now. All right, so but I'm sure it'll make a, like a Netflix thing real soon. It'll be on streaming and on VOD. I would imagine in a month. That's kind of the time frame <laughs> for these things now. All right. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll wait then. All right. Matt Miller from OnMilwaukee.com. Always great to hear from you. Thanks for having me. It's 8.58. Welcome back to Hour 2 of the Sunday morning edition of Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. I'm Libby Collins, and it's 9.07. The following is a paid presentation. Advice and opinions expressed during the Sunday sit are solely that of the hosts or guests, and not WTMJ Radio or Good Karma Brands Milwaukee, LLC. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Tracy Johnson. This show will give us insights and information on some of the commercial real estate trends and opportunities here in Wisconsin. Today, we're going to discuss office real estate in Southeast Wisconsin. Many in the industry and outside have considered commercial real estate office space in real trouble with work from home and hybrid schedules dominating so many headlines during COVID and even after. But the latest market data suggests that demand for office space has a lot of layers and potentially a lot of really bright spots. We're joined today by Jenna McGuire, Vice President with Colliers International, who will break it all down. Jenna, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Tracy. Give us an overview of the office real estate market and what it is and why it's relevant. Where I focus is primarily on the landlord representation side of the business. And as you mentioned, we've seen a lot of interesting headlines. Where is office space headed? How has the pandemic impacted the workforce and the demand for office space? And here to kind of hash out those details and let you know office is here to stay. I'm still very confident and and optimistic about the Milwaukee office market, uh, but it really varies on the individual asset, ownership, submarket, um, and a couple of other factors that we can get into. So obviously, work from home and hybrid work have been at the top of the headlines. So what are you seeing as you talk to clients? Are people returning to the office? They are. Um, it's it's certainly shifted. It's not where we were in 2019. Uh, it's a new way of working. It's a new model. And businesses are really incorporating the hybrid work model into what they're seeking going forward as it relates to their office space. Um, there are certain businesses that can completely work remotely. That absolutely has an impact on office space, the demand for office space, and what's going on in the market right now. But that being said, there's also major commitments to downtown, to office space, to office projects, um, and some pretty major statements from companies such as Fiserv, Milwaukee Tool, stating that they feel very strongly that it's important to have that in-office collaboration and then you know, really putting their money where their mouths are by investing in big office spaces in the downtown area. Do those office spaces look any different? Are they focusing on technology or amenities? Talk a little bit about that. Definitely. Um, I think if anyone's looked into office space just kind of from the outside looking in, the major headline is the flight to quality. So we're seeing across the board downtown in the suburbs um, that really tenants are taking a look at what's important to their organization, what's important to their employees, um, and what's really ideal for this next chapter of post-pandemic office space. And we're seeing amenities are very very important quality office space, parking, safety, a lot of considerations that have kind of come from looking at how do we get people into the office, how do we get them to collaborate, and how do we get them to want to spend some time, maybe not 40 hours a week, but some of their time together uh, as a company and as an organization. Well, and there's also a focus on productivity, because that was a big uh, headline. We saw the CEO of Salesforce basically say, you know, all of you working remotely are just not cutting it. We've got 
96% of our deals being done by 50% of the workers. When it comes to productivity and uh, making sure that the office environment is conducive to that, what kinds of changes physically are you seeing? We talked a lot about open concept in the past. Now I'm actually seeing headlines suggesting that people want their own private space. What's contributing to that? You know, it's a mix of both. I think before the pandemic, we were all about efficiency. So you're looking at square footage per employee and how many people can we get into a space. And I think that trend maybe was taken too far. And then when everyone was sent home for a little while and people kind of explored getting their people back into the office, realized that maybe some mistakes were made previously Efficiency was great at saving money, but how productive were your employees in those small spaces? So we're not seeing a complete 180. We're not seeing a shift to all private offices, um, but definitely more consideration of privacy for an employee. Maybe it's a workstation and there are phone rooms or breakout areas, collaborative spaces where employees feel as though they can go and have a Zoom meeting or a private Mm -hmm. phone call. Um, So definitely a change in the design going forward. We're seeing that across the board, but also that focus on the collaborative space. If you're coming into the office to meet with your team, let's have it be in a space that's fun and inviting and enjoyable where you really want to work with your team and actually be physically in the office. That's a great point you made about being on a Zoom call. You can't really be on a Zoom call in the middle of, uh, you know, a cubicle. No, absolutely. So are there certain sectors that are uh, showing more a favorability towards office space uh, versus others, and how does that fit into the makeup of what's here in Southeast Wisconsin? So I think Wisconsin is actually pretty well positioned for return to office, um, and I've seen a couple of you know it's very hard to track who's truly back in the office, how many days. I mean, if you're looking at every single employee, you can get some general trends. Uh, but Milwaukee is actually pretty pretty far ahead of a lot of other cities of a similar size as it relates to number of people back in the office. And I look at it, um, and I think it's part of our Midwestern kind of hardworking values. I don't think that um, everyone automatically went home and expected that that was the new way of life. Um, And I think also you have a good mix of corporate headquarters here, many corporate headquarters in the state of Wisconsin, but certainly the first types of businesses that were returning to work and embracing getting their people Mm -hmm. back in, law firms, financial services, real estate, and things like that. No, it's certainly. Jenna McGuire with Colliers International. Thank you so much. When we come back, uh, what should business leaders be looking at in terms of office real estate in the months ahead? I'm Tracy Johnson in with Jenna McGuire on the Commercial Real Estate Show here on WTMJ. It's 30 degrees at 914. You're just a minute away from Dominic Catronio on sports right here on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. For only the second time since joining the Big East, the Marquette Golden Eagles are atop the regular season. And it's at zeros. It's finally, finally over. over. And say it now. From pick ninth in the preseason poll, there are only 11 teams. Marquette has won the Big East regular season championship. Steve Homer True on the call on 94.5 ESPN Milwaukee. Marquette finishes with 15 wins in league play for the first time in school history as number 10 MU defeats DePaul 90-84. to Here's head coach Shaka Smart. You know, I think this is the most Big East games that, that Marquette's ever won. Yep. And we've got two games left. So, you know, I think, first of all, I'm, I'm really thankful and grateful for all of our players and the guys that you know make our team what it is and then everyone that supports our program what a awesome atmosphere in the building again tonight record crowd and and i'm just i'm thankful for the fact that we all you know can share in any success we're able to have uh, but we're not you know we're not done yet and just down the road at uwm panther arena the panthers hosting senior night against cleveland state a win clinches no worse than second in the horizon league and their leading scorer all year took it into his own hands bj freeman under 13 to go panthers by four freeman all the way to the block left side splits a double off balance flip shot is good oh mercy what a basket by bj freeman 
Scott Warris on the call on 101.7 The Truth. The Panthers win 81-72 and claim second place in the regular season race in the Horizon League. And the sweet sounds of baseball are back on your radio. Swinging and a fly ball to center. Deep. Get up. Get up. Get out of here and gone for Garrett Mitchell. He just hit another one and hit it to dead center. The one and only Bob Euchre on the call here on WTMJ. The Brewers slug three homers in the Cactus League opener. Two of them by rookie Garrett Mitchell. They defeat the Dodgers 7-4. I'm Dominic Catronio, WTMJ Sports. Thanks a lot, Dom. It's 30 degrees at 919 on WTMJ. Sunny skies and a high of 40 degrees today. Tonight, clouds will increase. It's going to get rainy and windy down to 31 and wind gusts up to 40 miles per hour tomorrow. More wind, more rain, a high of 46 and wind gusts up to 45. It's 30 degrees at 922 on WTMJ. The following is a paid presentation. Advice and opinions expressed during the Sunday sip are solely that of the hosts or guests and not WTMJ Radio or Good Karma Brands Milwaukee, LLC. Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Tracy Johnson. Uh, This show will give you insights and information on some of the commercial real estate trends and opportunities right here in Wisconsin. And today we're joined by Jenna McGuire, Vice President with Colliers International. Jenna, in the last segment, we were really talking about return to office. We were talking about uh, some of the things that are driving space considerations for businesses. But what really makes Southeast Wisconsin a unique market when it comes to to office real estate. So there are a few things that make Milwaukee um, kind of desirable from the office occupancy standpoint. One thing we were talking about over the break is really lack of commute time. We don't have traffic jams in getting to work makes it very convenient in getting to the office. Um, and one other thing too is that's unique is we still have quite a few locally owned developments in southeastern Wisconsin, and those are the people that you're making a deal with as a tenant. So it's a unique spin on that trust level and that relationship between landlord and tenant that I think really helps Milwaukee stand apart. Well, and when it comes to investing in office real estate, why would somebody want to come here? and do their business here and do a deal here. You know, I work on behalf of landlords that have portfolios throughout the country. And getting back to Milwaukee was never really hit too hard after the economic crisis in 2008. We were impacted a little bit, but not the wild swings of the coastal cities. And then coming back to transportation, very easy commutes. Also, the number of headquarters that we have here for a state the size of Wisconsin and a city the size of Milwaukee is attractive. I have clients with portfolios throughout the country who are just absolutely excited about what's going on in office leasing right now. Um, And Milwaukee's really outperforming a lot of their other markets. Well, and it's because, I mean, at the end of the day, commercial real estate is a safe, sturdy, stable, long-term investment. And in saying that, office real estate, any sort of real estate decision, any sort of purchase, lease, what have you, is usually one of the top expenses for a business outside of labor. So as business owners and as business leaders are making considerations for their office real estate, what advice do you give them? The first piece of advice I would give is start early. I think there's been a moving target kind of for office tenants for the past several years in how much office space do I need? How has our workforce changed their hours? Who's really going to be in on a day-to-day basis? And those are hard answers to come up with because it's still fluctuating. Um, So that being said, if you wait too long and you're considering a relocation, expansion, contraction, whatever the case may be, um, you know, construction costs are at an all-time high, lead times are taking a very long time. It's just very important to start getting out into the market as soon as you possibly can. So you're leaving yourself enough time and you're able to make a strong, you know, fiscal decision for your company. And then I think the other thing that's important too is getting back to what does my office need? What um, what do we need going forward? 
engage a professional. Have uh, sit down with a broker, sit down with an architect or a designer, and really kind of figure out what's necessary for your business going forward. So when you talk about those lead times, I know when you're buying a house, it's a lot different than when you're looking at a real estate investment, whether it's a lease or a purchase of a of a building. What are those? What do those lead times look like, and have they? changed or evolved over the last couple of years? They have. Um, We're seeing right now a minimum of 12 weeks for a door. So if you think that you're moving into an office space and a landlord is going to build out an office or a couple of offices for you, you need to leave yourself a lot of time. That's not including time to negotiate a lease, the permitting process with the municipality, finalizing your construction drawings with an architect. It's not as simple as throwing up a couple of offices and adding doors because the materials simply cannot be procured in a reasonable amount of time. Well, this sounds, it sounds like a daunting endeavor, right? If somebody's listening, they have a small business, they want to put a shingle out, you know, where, where does somebody start when they're trying to, to go about this? Does somebody just have an architect in their Rolodex or a commercial real estate broker in their Rolodex? How does this happen? I think starting with a broker and a broker has, um, you know, I have many architects, in my Rolodex, if you will. And not every architect is appropriate for every deal, size, location, whatever the case may be. So if you're calling a real estate professional, particularly in the office sector, um, and you think you're too early, that broker is going to say, you're probably not too early. But if you are, let's strategize an appropriate time frame in order to get you out in the market at the right time, introduce you to the right uh, vendors, so architects. Um, but start with that phone call. And you can interview brokers. We're all, you know, mm-hmm. that's part of the process. But start the process as soon as you can. Because to get, to get a deal done will take months sometimes, right? If you if you have a specific space in mind, a specific location in mind, you got to f- figure that out, work with the existing tenant, work with the landlord, all of that. Months or sometimes years. Sometimes years. All right. So you are an optimistic uh, person, Jenna. I really appreciate you sharing your insights with us. Why are you optimistic about office real estate here in Southeast Wisconsin? So I just think it's an exciting time for office space in Milwaukee, but it's also just a really exciting time for the city. Um, We have so much going on. We look at non-real estate. You have, well, I guess the Bucks also have the Deer District, but the Bucks bring us a championship, right? The convention center undergoing a huge expansion. The RNC is coming to to town. Um, We have these new music venues coming in. So there's a lot going on in the city of Milwaukee and in the greater Milwaukee area. But if you look at all of that excitement, all of that energy, I really think that that's a big reason that the Milwaukee tools of the world, that Northwestern Mutual's, you know, bringing people down from Franklin, um, that Fiserv has finally made a commitment to downtown. I just think there's a lot going on in the region, and that's really leading to demand for quality office space in quality submarkets. Jenna McGuire, thank you so much uh, for being with us today, and thank you everyone for listening. I'm Tracy Johnson on the Commercial Real Estate Show. For more information on market insights, visit carw.com. It's 30 degrees at 929 on WTMJ. Welcome back to the final half hour of the Sunday morning edition of Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. I'm Libby Collins. Still ahead this half hour, we're going to take a look at fish fries around the area. It's 936 and 30 degrees at WTMJ. As you're waking up on this Sunday morning, did you wash your hands? Uh, Did you just rinse them with water or did you really lather up with soap? Well, we're going to talk to somebody who tells us exactly what the hand-washing habits here are in Wisconsin. And joining us is John Domasey. He is with Bradley Corporation. And John, you've spent a lot of time studying this, I understand. Yeah, we've been studying hand-washing. We make hand-washing products for commercial applications for over 100 years. So we know the subject real well, and we've been doing the survey for almost 15 years. All right, tell us a little bit about the hand-washing habits of those of us in Wisconsin. Are we washing our hands enough? Well, You will definitely not say that Wisconsinites are germaphobes in any way because overall, while we do the survey nationwide, we also do one just for Wisconsin. And Wisconsinites definitely 
think they're tougher than most Americans. Only uh, 59% of Wisconsin residents actually boost their hand-washing habit to try to protect themselves from, you know, seasonal viruses and things like that versus 74% of Americans overall. And only 43% of Wisconsinites are concerned about coming down with a bug-like flu or COVID or something like that versus 59% nationwide. When are people in Wisconsin most likely to wash their hands? Well, that definitely aligns a lot more with overall America. Usually they are washing their hands 68% after coughing or sneezing, 56% after using a shopping cart, and I think we can all relate to that, 49% after touching money, and 47% after leaving a doctor's office. Hmm, you didn't mention how many of us wash our hands after we use the restroom. Yeah, these were the top vote getters, so I can't add lib on there. From a America standpoint, after using a washroom goes a little higher, ranks a little higher. These are Wisconsin stats. All right. So when people do wash their hands, what is the practice? I mean, do they just rinse with water? Do they use hot water? Do they use cold water? Do they use soap? And how long do they rinse? Well, that's an interesting thing because still a lot of people that we see, over 50% of the survey respondents still believe that you need hot water to have a good hand wash. And that's not true. The main thing is just focusing on exactly what the CDC has been saying for years, The most effective way to reduce transmission of germs is just lather up with soap and water, scrub thoroughly, and the key is the 20 seconds. Lather for 20 seconds, then rinse and dry. So that's Mm. the key, not the temperature of the water. All right, so what about public restrooms? What did you find out about how people are avoiding germs there? Yeah, and that goes into my germaphone comment. There are usually about 10% in our surveys that would actually label themselves as germaphobes, and they will go to great extents to not touch anything in a public bathroom. So you have the foot flushers, you have the paper towel as gloves people. 54% of Americans use uh, paper towels to avoid contact with flushers, faucets, doors. You have the butt bumpers that will try to open stall doors or bathroom doors with their hips. So they will go to great lengths to try not to touch anything. Hmm. I like the foot flushers and the butt bumpers. All right. Overall, John, (laughs) what advice do you have for everybody if they want to make sure that they have their hands cleaned and that they are avoiding these germs? There's definitely a lot more pressure on businesses overall since covid to have more touch-free fixtures, and that's going to help us all. Uh, Especially since COVID, more people see they will spend more money in businesses that have well-maintained bathrooms. 80% say they want touchless fixtures in their local businesses. And if they don't see clean, touch-free bathrooms, they have now said that they'll actually go elsewhere for their business. Everything's moving in the right direction to have cleaner, more maintained bathrooms. And I think that the public overall will be seeing a continued dramatic evolution toward more touch-free environments. So the key is just businesses have to work more on keeping their bathrooms clean, well-maintained, and touch-free. And people need to just keep washing their hands at least that 20 seconds. That'll make you healthier. And, of course, one way to avoid public restrooms is just hold it till you get home. John <laughs> Domacy from Bradley Corporation, thank you so much for sharing all this information with us today. You're welcome. Thanks for having us on. It's 941, 30 degrees. We're going to have your forecast. And also, what's the difference between a dog and a coyote? We'll tell you right ahead, right after this. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. Who let the dogs out? Oh, we'll tell you in just a second. It's going to be sunny today. We're going to get up to about 40 degrees. Those clouds coming in tonight. Then it's going to get rainy, windy. Wind gusts around 40 miles per hour. A low of 31 degrees. Tomorrow, rain and windy, 46. Same thing on Tuesday, except the sun's going to come out with a high of 45. But both days, we're going to see a lot of wind. Our next chance of a wintry mix comes on Wednesday with a high of 44. Right now, Elkhart Lake, 25 degrees. Muskego, 31. Lake Geneva has 34. We're at 31 degrees at WTMJ at 944. We're going to get to Dom and uh, sports in just a minute. But I've got to share this one with you. Um, I don't know if you heard this story, Isaac, but uh, just the other day in Dallas, police found 
a little puppy next to a dumpster. Is that sad? Very sad, yes. Cute little pointy ears. Um, it was so cute, they nicknamed the puppy Toast. But um, Why Toast? Then, well, because he's sort of toast color. Okay, okay. Okay. But, but the problem is, when they turned him over to the Dallas Animal Services, said, well, wait a minute. We don't know if that's really a puppy or not. They did put him in. They did put tos- Toast into foster care. But, but before they adopt him out, they want to make sure. Because they think it's possibly an Australian Shepherd mix, but not so sure. So they're having a DNA test to determine whether or not Toast is a puppy or a coyote. All right. Well, now... Now, if the, if, the, if the DNA comes out that, that Toast is a puppy, they'll adopt him. But if it comes out he's a coyote, I'm not quite sure what they're going to do with him. Well, maybe they'll send him to southeastern Wisconsin because we sure have enough coyotes around here. All right, it's 946. You're just a minute away from Dominic Catroni on sports right here on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. Number 10 Marquette at home against DePaul, and albeit a little more stressful than they expected, they used fireworks to claim the Big East regular season title. Kolick behind the back dribble, back to Cam Jones. Logo three, good! Just, just for everybody, wow. the MU Logo 3. Steve Homer true on the call. MU wins 90-84. to It's only their second regular season title since joining the Big East. The result on the heels of being picked ninth in the preseason poll. Another team that was picked to finish ninth in their conference, the Milwaukee Panthers, and they finish in second place thanks to B.J. Freeman. Right of the lane, this is Freeman. Driving, leaning, scoring, count it, and a foul. Freeman with 24. Scott Warris on the call on 101.7 The Truth. Freeman drops a career-high 31 points as UWM defeats Cleveland State 81-72. Head coach Bart Lundy. There's a lot of guys that are helping. <laughs> Six, you know, so, you know, B.J. obviously is carrying a lot of water for us. Yeah. Um, you know, but it, but that that was a, definitely a team effort, and uh, everybody everybody played their role. Mm. It was awesome. Elsewhere in college basketball, one of the wackiest finishes you'll ever see in a rivalry game. So the final 2.9 seconds inbounded to Des Cambridge, launches from backcourt. Oh, he made it! He oh, made it! He made it! Woo! Des Cambridge knocks down a three from backcourt, and the Sun Devils have won it! Tim Healy on the call on the Sun Devil Radio Network. ASU stuns number seven Arizona, 89 to 88. And baseball is back on your radio, and the one, the only, Bob Euchre. Rowdy Telez lines one in the right center. Deep, warning track, get up, gone for Rowdy Telez. He's back at it, and the Brewers have the lead. Mr. Baseball on the call. Telez hits one of three home runs on the day for the Brewers. The other two by Garrett Mitchell. Milwaukee wins 7-4 over the Dodgers in the Cactus League opener. I'm Dominic Catronio, WTMJ Sports. Thanks a lot, Dominic. Uh, Still ahead, we're going to hear from WTMJ's Jason Smith. He's been going to fish fries, and we're going to find out what they're really like. It's all ahead right here on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. It's going to get up to 40 degrees today, and then tonight, tomorrow, turn windy, windy, and we're going to have some rain. Right now, our temperature at WTMJ is uh, 32 degrees at 9.52. I have to make a confession. Some people really shy away from Lent because they don't like to eat fish, but I love fish fries, and I love them all times of the year, but especially at this time of the year. And joining us is Jason Smith. He's part of our WTMJ news team, and you have that assignment this year, Jason, of visiting a lot of fish fries around the area. Now, tell me about your philosophy. When you approach a fish fry, what do you look for first? So before I even determine a place in which I want to go to, I like to go to places that one, are popular and that everybody knows about. I like to go there just to see if the hype is real. And then on the other hand, I like to go to places nobody really knows about. 
those places ducked off in a corner that nobody's been to. So that's how I determine the place. And then when I get there, a lot of the times, they only serve one certain type of fish. So, like, I know a couple places that I've been to, they've only served cod. But when I have the option between cod or, like, catfish or something like that, I like to vary it up. I like to get a little variety just to taste a little bit different kinds of fish. But I like to go to places that nobody really knows about, and I like to go to places that everybody knows about just to see if the hype is real. All right, now, do you like that heavy breading, or do you like the light breading? I do like the light breading. Like, when I was just at Old German Beer Hall, he had the light breading, and he said, the lighter it is, the more crispy it is. And I, and I do like the crispiness. And I agree with you on that one. All right, so now you sit down, you've ordered your fish. Do you like that whole spread with the fish and the rye bread and the butter and the coleslaw? Or do you just go in for the fish? So I go for the fish and I go for the rye bread and the fries specifically because I like to make a little sandwich. So I put this in between two slices of the rye bread and boom, I got a whole fish sandwich for myself. I got the fries. However... I am not a fan of coleslaw. I mean, I, I, I try it. I promise you, I take a couple spoonfuls every time, but I'm just not the fan of coleslaw. I don't know. But, I mean, it is a part of the fish fry tradition, so it is what it is. Now, I know you've already posted some of your visits. Where are some of the places that, that we can check out on the website? That's the first place I went to. It's called Old German Beer Hall. It's right here in Milwaukee. Um, it's in the third ward. It was phenomenal. And okay, you can go find that right on WTMJ.com. Oh, and we will be watching. And I know over the next six weeks, you're going to be visiting a lot more places for fish fry. Jason Smith, thanks for getting up early with us today. Of course. Thank you so much. It's 9.55, 32 degrees at WTMJ. Let's turn it over to uh, Brian and David Wickard for the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show. And Brian, uh, right before we went on the air, you mentioned Fannie Mae is out with a new report that says any relative improvement we saw in the housing market early this year might not last. Why are they saying that? Before I give you that answer, I want to say that the secret ingredient for making all coleslaw better is to <laughs> sprinkle... <laughs> wait, wait for it. And maybe you know this already. This comes from David's grandmother on his mother's side, Agnes Gilbert's. You put a little sugar. Sugar, uh, not salt. Well, you put, put a sugar little sugar. on anything, but yeah. Well, yeah, okay. But yeah, put sugar on your coleslaw and you will have a tasty treat. All right. That being said... Uh, yeah, the, the problem that they are citing is real, I'm afraid. And that is that since the beginning of the year, you know, first thing that happened is rates went way down from where they were in November and late October. Hey, that's great. And so we saw a bit of a surge in, in uh, home selling and buying activity. But now, since the beginning of February, rates are back up. And uh, and that's because of all the economic news. We talked about it last week, and we got a little bit more, doggone it, good economic news last week. Uh, well, not well, good for interest rates. Yeah, I was going to say, why is good news bad news, Dad? You're, it's, that's the uh, punchline. It, it's, it's, uh, Fannie Mae is now saying the expected recession isn't going to occur until the second quarter, which is April, May, June. And we kind of want the recession if you're in the interest rate business because that'll let interest rates relax a little bit. And so we've had a reversal in that trend, and that's putting a little bit of a, a hitch in the giddy-up of not buyers, plenty of buyers. Yeah. But I'm going to give you some details uh, that, I, that I mined from the multiple listing service this morning talking about the supply side. Um, and that's really the problem. You know, we don't have any people building normal homes in southeastern Wisconsin, they're all on the top end of the market. So we got to rely on people putting their existing homes up for sale. And and that is, you're going to see uh, the main issue. Plus, we got some interesting information on condominiums uh, that we experienced this last week. All that and more coming up right after the news. Yeah, and we'll be listening to Brian and David Wickert. And Brian, I never knew that you were also an expert on coleslaw in addition to mortgage yeah. and real estate. <laughs> Thanks so much. Stick around. Uh, right after Brian and David, it's going to be Buck Shooter Run right here on WTMJ.